Father, we continue to present ourselves to you, to offer our bodies to you in worship. God, as we offer ourselves uh, to your word, to Jesus' word, uh, we desire the transformation that comes when we regularly offer ourselves to you. But we recognize that that does not come simply by trying harder or come through our own effort but that even to experience transformation, that we need you to carry us through that. So we offer ourselves and pray that your spirit would do that that work, that tilling work of our soul, the softening of our hearts, the opening of our ears, so that we can hear Jesus' word and that we can see you more clearly. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is, uh, this is Trinity Sunday. Um, there's a little bit of logic to, to this, of, of why it's Trinity Sunday. Um, over the church calendar, we had this season where we uh, were looking at Jesus' life uh, in, a, in a, a, a special time when we looked at Jesus's, the end of Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection and ascension, and we were talking about um, what it means that Jesus uh, is, is doing God's work of salvation and how Jesus is God's son and how Jesus is now ascended and reigning at the right hand of the Father. And then uh, last week, we, we looked at Pentecost and talked about God pouring out God's Spirit um, on all flesh and mediating God's work and empowering us for God's work in the world through the, through the Holy Spirit. And so the kind of the logic is we've been looking at um, the work of the Son, uh, who is extending the will of the Father, and through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And there's kind of this like, what's going on with all that? Well, what's going on with all that is the, God, the one God that we worship is unified in being, but is Trinity, one, two, three, in person, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's why we're doing this. And so there, there it is. Now you understand the Trinity, and let's pray. And take, um, this, uh, this is a picture. I know you guys can't see it as well over here. This is some of our regular art we have in here. Um, in a way, this art is signifying uh, what's signified in the Trinity. I know uh, that some of you might be thinking, like, oh man, this is going to be like one of those Sundays when it's like all theology and it's totally over my head. Uh, my hope for today, my hope for today is that what we, what we begin to understand, even what I want to proclaim to you, is that the, is that the Trinity that is not just a doctrine. The Trinity is not just a doctrine for us to get right. For us to check off our list of like, okay, like we want to be orthodox, so that means that we believe that God is unified in being and Trinity in persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Got it. Let's continue on. But what I want to proclaim to you, what I hope that we can tend to today, is the reality that the Trinity actually makes a difference in our lives. I want to assert, I want to proclaim to you that the Trinity makes a difference in our lives. And so the goal, uh, uh, especially during this time where we gather ourselves around the Word, is not simply, I don't want to simply explain the Trinity to you. I mean, there are some really interesting and good conversations that can happen around what it means that God, like, like all the internal mechanisms there, that God is, is one in being, but Trinity in persons. There are some, some metaphors that you guys have probably heard before that kind of help appropriate that. One of the things I want to be sensitive to is the fact that anytime we try to talk about metaphors, we kind of like end up in a heresy of some type. 
But that's a good discussion to have. But, but the goal here is not to simply explain the Trinity. But to live as if God really is Trinity. To live as if the Trinity is true. And so the, the first thing for us to, to uh, proclaim tonight is that when we say that God is Trinity, what we're saying is that that, that is reality. That the Trinity is real. That God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is about reality. And what I mean by reality is just to say that, that how things actually are. That no matter um, what we, what, how we feel things are, the, no matter what people say things are, no matter how much disagreement about how things are, that what reality is, is at the end of the day, what you actually have to bump up against. It's reality. When we say that God is Trinity, what we're doing is we're saying something about reality. We're not just saying something about, about who God is, we are, but we're actually saying something about how reality actually is. We're actually saying something about about how this universe, how this cosmos, how this world that we live in is actually uh, made up and structured. We're saying something about reality, something about how things really are, and thus what it means to live as fully human. The Trinity makes a difference in our lives, and it makes a difference to how we live and how we learn what it means to live as fully human beings. Christ the King, on this Trinity Sunday, we proclaim the good news that our world, the real world that we live in, is not primarily determined by what the politicians say. The world that we live in is not determined by what the market is doing. The world that we live in is not primarily determined by, uh, by the sense of our ability to express ourself. The world is not determined by that unholy trinity. By the state and the economy and the self, capital S. The unholy trinity does not dictate ultimately who you are and how you live. Christ the King, the good news today is that this is our Father's world. This real world that we live in, this is our Father's world. And this Father is the one who lives in perfect unity and in loving communion with the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is our Father's world. The Father who lives in perfect unity and loving communion with the Son and with the Holy Spirit. The universe that we live in, Christ the King, is a Trinitarian universe. I'm just going to let that simmer for a second. I know that's a big word. So maybe just to bring it down to like have that word accessible to us, because I'm going to use it a couple times, just turn to someone and say, you live in a Trinitarian universe. universe. <laughs> and also with you, that's good. <laughs> Christ the King, we live in a Trinitarian universe. Created. The, the world that we live in is created and sustained by loving community. By loving communion. And we were created to share in that loving communion. The world that we live in is created and sustained by loving communion, by the loving communion of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and we, were, we are created to live in, to share in that loving communion. 
Wreck-It Ralph. Anybody familiar with Wreck-It Ralph? Wreck-It Ralph is a video game villain. A video game villain who lives in an arcade world, an arcade universe. Wreck-It Ralph is a part of this game where his job is to be the villain, is to tear down buildings, and then um, Fix-It Felix comes around and fixes the buildings. It's kind of this arcade game. Uh, but after, after the game itself, after the players come and play the game, after that's over, Wreck-It Ralph sits on a trash heap and watches the rest of his game companions celebrate the good life after the hero, Fix-It Felix, after he, he's receiving all this praise and Wreck-It Ralph is just sitting there as the villain at a distance on a trash heap watching these people in a penthouse celebrate the good life. Ralph longed for a world, a reality, where he didn't have to live on a trash heap. He longed for a reality where he was included and loved, where his identity was bigger than what the video game system prescribed for him. The story that Ralph was living in was this. I live in a good guy, bad guy reality, and I'm a bad guy. And so I must self-express as a hero. I must earn a medal in order to earn people's love, in order to be included in community. And so naturally, having this kind of angst, uh, Ralph goes to a a bad guy's anonymous. (laughs) He goes to a bad guy's support group. And they're sitting in a circle with all these other, like, evil uh, video game uh, villains, you know. And he shares his struggle uh, with, the, with the community. And he, said, he wonders out loud, guys, could we be good guys? It sure must be nice to, to be a good guy. And they all respond, like, incredulously. They're like, no, what, what, what? And I said, Ralph, listen, we've all felt this before. And we've come to terms with it. There's a zombie, and the zombie says, Labels make you happy. Or labels not make you happy. Good, bad, ugh. You must love you. Is the advice that his bad zombie... That was a good impression, right? You like my zombie impression? (laughs) Thanks. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Be here all the rest of the afternoon. These bad guys are straining for purpose. They're straining for meaning. They're straining for identity in a reality already determined by good and bad. By bad guys and good guys. It is the world that they live in. And Ralph says, I don't want to be a bad guy anymore. When he says this, they respond incredulously to him. They say, you can't mess with the program, Ralph. You can't mess with the program, Ralph. But Ralph longs to break free. Christ the King, what kind of world do you live in? Whose world is it? Who is telling your story? Who's telling your story? Do you long to break free from that story? Do you long to be loved? Do you long for an identity? The thing is is that that in this world, there there are these stories, a lot of them generated by that unholy trinity of of politicians and the economy and self-expressivism 
that tells us stories about the way that the world is and tells us stories about who we are. And the thing is, is whether or not we believe that those stories are true, we end up living in light of them. Here are some things, some common stories told about our world. Maybe you can find yourself in some of these. There are limited resources to consume. So I better get mine, or I won't have enough. We can be most fully human when we're able to express ourselves unhindered. Or maybe this one. The world is a dangerous and brutish place, and the best thing that can happen is if we put the most qualified people in charge in order to impose law and order and make things a little less miserable. Or here's some stories that we tell to ourselves about ourselves. It's all up to me. Things will be better if I had more of this. Or things will be better if this were different. I will not be okay if I lose. If I fail. I will not be accepted if I don't perform well. I need to find the right job, the right spouse, the right house in order to be fulfilled. It's best to be suspicious of others so that you don't get hurt. It's not safe to be truly vulnerable with another person. I must be in control over my environment and my surroundings if I want to be safe. Maybe you can see some of these stories at work in your own life. Maybe there are other stories that you can see that motivate who you are, that tell you who you are. Christ the King, our world is cracking under the pressure of false stories about how things are and about who we truly are and about what reality really is. And in this world, we need the Trinity, Christ the King. We need the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit existing and relating eternally in loving communion. I'm just going to get technical for just a second because I want to cast a vision. This isn't trying to get behind the scenes and explain away the Trinity. This is just trying to put some words on describing what it means that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that exists who exists in loving, eternal communion. It means this. It means that the Trinity is characterized by mutuality, by loving mutuality, without hierarchy, without one imposing the will of another over it. It means that in the Trinity there is no self-absorption, there is no ego, there is no competition, there is no isolation or anxious striving in God. The Trinity is by nature creative and generative, creating other beings who will share in loving communion. That God is Trinity, Christ the King, means that God is not a jerk. That God is not some sort of, like, uh, boss that we have to deal with who... uh, is, is self-absorbed and is waiting to impose God's will on the rest of the world and it just so happens that we have to follow along because God's God and we're not. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit existing eternally in loving communion. And in Christ the King, our world is a world that is sustained and created by that loving communion. And you, Christ the King, are created for that loving communion. 
And when we are able to step into that loving communion, it doesn't mean just that we're doing the right thing, just that like the right or the wrong thing. It means that we're actually stepping into in sync with the grain of the universe, with how things actually are. And when things aren't that way, when things, when you feel it or you see it in the world around you, it means that it's a world that lives in resistance to how things actually are. We can lay hold of this good news today, Christ the King, by living open to the Spirit. This is what our text shows us. The Gospel text opens up for us. By living open to the Spirit, the Spirit who draws us into the Father's love through the life of the Son. And so the bite to this, the teeth to this, is that to lay hold of the life of the Son by listening to the Spirit actually liberates us. It liberates us from the forces of sin and death that keep us distanced from God and others. The way that we navigate this mess that we find ourselves in, the way that we navigate this mess is by opening ourselves to the Spirit who gives us access to the life of the Son. By opening ourselves to this Trinitarian reality. And we see in the Gospels and all the Gospels, part of what the, the Gospel writers are describing is that Jesus lives in a Trinitarian universe. Everything that we see Jesus saying or that we see Jesus doing, everything about his character, about his posture, about the way that he is, is because he lives self-assured in his Father's world. It is his Father's world. The world that he lives and operates and moves and has his being in the one that he brings to bear in the world. Jesus lives in the Trinitarian universe. In John 16, our Gospel reading, verses 12 through 15, this is the point in the Gospels where Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples. You know, the scene on the night before Jesus was betrayed and went to the cross. And so Jesus, picture this, Jesus is in the upper room and, and in this space of communion with his disciples. And then in, in this space of communion, on the night, the mo- probably one of the most stressful nights of his life, I mean, later on we see that he, did, he sweated blood. This is one of the most stressful li- nights of his, of his life. And here he is with his friends, sharing a space of communion with them. Jesus is continuing to do what he's always been doing, and that's sharing his life with his friends. Jesus is is doing here what the Trinity has been doing from eternity past, if you can even talk that way, and eternity into the future. Jesus is just doing what the Trinity does, and that's sharing communion with his friends. This is the world that Jesus is opening up to humanity sharing his life with his friends. And then Jesus is teaching his disciples how they will live as his disciples in communion with him in his absence. And so Jesus says that that he will send the Spirit. And the Spirit, this Holy Spirit, will witness to him, will witness to the Son, and the Son is the one who fully represents God's intentions. So notice this, is that the life Jesus offers us is not different from the life of the Trinity. The life that Jesus offers us, that invites us to join with him, is not different from the life of the Trinity. The way that God is saving the world is an expression, is an overflow of God's life as eternally Father, Son, and Holy Spirit existing in loving communion. Among other things, Christ the King, what this means is that God isn't just like bloodthirsty or who doesn't know how to deal with a problem, and so he decides, well, I guess I'll just send this guy down from heaven to die on a cross to satisfy my wrath. So that then everything will be okay. 
What's happening is that God has eternally existed in loving communion, in mutuality, in self-giving love one to another. And so what happens is when that, that Trinity, that God who exists in eternal loving communion and, and self-giving and mutuality, when that God moves toward the world, the only way that that God can move toward the world is in self-giving loving communion. And when a God who is self-giving loving communion comes in contact with a world that is in rebellion to self-giving loving communion, it puts them to death. This is what God, this is how God saves the world, Christ the King. This is how God saves the world. And, and, and the, the good news is that when that God is put to death by a world that lives in rebellion to loving communion, when that world puts God to death, puts, puts the force to death that, that shapes the entire world, it actually makes a way to be liberated from it so that we can all live in lockstep with the Trinitarian universe, with a life of loving communion. I didn't mean to say all that. I kind of went off there. I hope that made sense. We can talk about it later if it doesn't. This means, Trinity, the Trinity means that there is no aspect of God that is not fully revealed in Jesus. There is no hidden agenda of God that we don't see fully revealed in the person of Jesus. There's a lot, Christ the King, that we don't know. There's a lot that's a mystery about, about God and, and why God does things the way that God does things. And there's, there's a lots of things about our world that we don't understand and in ways that we don't see the world yet in subjection to this Trinitarian universe. But what we do see, as the writer of Hebrews says, is we see Jesus. And Jesus is a perfect representation of the Trinitarian life of God. And so we can have confidence that if we want to participate in the Trinitarian life of God, it always looks like Jesus. It always looks like giving our life, opening our life to Jesus' life. We can always trust that Jesus fully represents God's life and intention. And of course, as we've always said, also said, this means that God is not a jerk. That God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit existing eternally in loving, self-giving life. So the Spirit will lead us into truth and will declare to us the things that are to come. Living as disciples of Christ in Jesus' absence comes through sensitivity to what the Spirit is saying about Jesus' life. This is what it looks like to us on a daily basis. Is that on a daily basis, what we do is we live in sensitivity to how the Spirit is bringing to bear everything that Jesus has done and everything that Jesus will do brings it to bear in our present life. This is what Jesus is saying, is the way that you will, the way that you will live in relationship with me, the way that you will live as my disciple in my physical absence is by living open to the way that the Spirit is going to lead you into my life, moment by moment. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. Christ the King, the world is not determined by politicians, by the economy, or by some kind of self-expressivism. It's not determined by that with like a little spirituality injected into it. We live in a different reality, Christ the King. This is our Father's world. Christ the King, this is our Father's world, the Father who lives in loving, eternal communion with the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that life shapes us personally, and it shapes our way of life. 
It means, among other, thing, other things, that our whole life, that our way of being is characterized by this loving communion, that we want everything that we do, everything that we do to reflect that loving communion, that mutuality and self-giving love, the submitting one to another, communing together, sharing in life. But this is, all, this is also something that becomes present to us moment by moment as we're sensitive to the Spirit. Here's, here's an example from my life. Uh, this past week, um, I was with uh, a group of people, and I was giving a presentation about some really important things that I've been working on for the past three and a half years. So it was kind of a high pressure. Uh, and, and sitting around with 12 other people, and, and it was my turn to share a particular part of my work. And they were all looking at me, and the person who was in charge was looking at me, and so I shared my work. And the first response was... Uh, well, that's completely worthless. So here, here's the thing, Christ came. Here's the thing. Is it in that moment, I have to ask myself, what story am I telling myself? Whose world do I live in? What determines my identity? Whose story determines my identity? It's, it's Christ the King. It's in those kind of moments. Can you identify with that? Can you identify like one of those kinds of moments where it's like everything just hit the fan or like I, you faced some disappointment or like things didn't go the way that you thought they were going to go and it's like in that moment when, when something's come up, the question is like, whose story am I living in? Whose world is this? What story am I telling myself about the way that things are or about who I am and how I'm supposed to live? It's in those moments, Christ the King. Where we might say, in order to be safe, I must. In order to be loved, I must. In order to have enough, I must. These are the places where the Spirit is inviting us into Jesus' life. Inviting us in to loving communion, to a Trinitarian universe. And again, the point isn't just that we think differently, that we have different thoughts. That's part of it. There's a re-envisioning. It's not just that we think differently, but that reality is actually different than what's told to us. It's not what the worst voices have told us. It's not the high fever pitch whatever that's going on in the news right now. That isn't reality, Christ the King. This is our Father's world. The Father who lives in loving, eternal communion with the Son and the Holy Spirit, and we were created to live in that world. The Trinitarian life, it's not just something that we think about. It's accessible to us today. Christ the King, it's accessible to you today. And so I invite you to respond. That's how we continue with every service, is that I invite you to respond. Our goal here is not just to talk about the triune God, but to encounter the triune God so that we can understand what it means that we, who we are, and we can understand what it means to live in relation to others. And so I invite you in this uh, prayer time. We're actually, if you look in your bulletins, uh, we're going to flip the, uh, the prayer time, the creed. Um, we're going to do the prayers first, and then we're going to do the creed. But if, if you want to um, go ahead and respond out loud during that uh, time, I invite you to pray this. Holy Trinity, I want to live in your world, especially in... Or, or you can do a corporate prayer. Holy Trinity, we want to live in your world, especially in...